And welcome on in to the latest edition of the Blue Horseshoe Podcast. As always, he is George Bremer. I am Ryan Hicking. Make sure you check us out on YouTube, Blue Horseshoe Pod. We are there every single post game live on the tube after the game, including this Sunday's big game on the road at the Tennessee Titans. Also subscribe wherever you do get your podcasts. Blue Horseshoe Podcast is where our midweek podcasts, Tuesday and Thursday, are dropped on that feed. George, a big one here for the Colts this week. Titans week coming up on the road at the 4-7 and seven Titans, looking for the season sweep. But also, we are talking about, George, a 6-5 and five team currently right now holding the 7th and final playoff spot in the AFC. I want to throw some numbers by here to back up a statement I'm going to say. I think at this point in the season, George, it's a disappointment. If we were talking at the end of the year, about the Colts being outside of the playoffs looking in and not playing meaningful January football. Because, according to ESPN Analytics, the Colts right now have a 40% shot to make the playoffs, which is still, right, if you do the quick math, that means they are saying it's less likely they get in than more likely. But the reason why my optimism is this high and the reason why I'm saying it's a disappointment if the Colts don't make the playoffs is the Colts have the easiest remaining schedule in the NFL. We've highlighted before that they play a lot of teams above and below them in this race for the seventh seed, so they control their own destiny. And outside of those games against the Steelers and against the Texans and against the Raiders and the Bengals, really four teams that are still uh, alive and going for it, they have an easier schedule outside of those games as well that's very manageable starting this week in Tennessee. George, where, are you, where do you fall on that? Again, 40% chance of going to ESPN Analytics, they make the playoffs, but also the easiest schedule remaining. Would you agree that right now it would be a disappointment if we're talking after week 18, the Colts not being in the playoffs? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you're entering the final full month of the regular season with control in your own hands, uh, which is what every team wants. I mean, you you give every, all 32 teams at the beginning of, of training camp that offer. You can go into December – and control your own playoff fee, fate, they will all sign up for that. Every one of them. Even Philadelphia, it's 10-1 now, right now, would have signed up for just that fact that you knew you are going to control your own destiny going into to December. So when you're in that situation, uh, it does. It would be disappointing. I, I compare it to, like, college basketball, you know, where you, you know, hey, if you get a couple wins here at the end of the regular season and you make it at least into the second or third round of the conference tournament, you're going to – clinch a bid no matter what expectations were coming into the year no matter how big of a Cinderella team you are at that point if you get to that point it's going to be disappointing if you don't make it to the big dance I think that's just that's just the reality of sports and where the Colts are right now I mean they do have a division champ a division leader left on that schedule but you know we'll get into that later uh but uh, on the road too so I mean you know that those are those are big time games but in all honesty you just highlight it. You got games against the Bengals. You got games against the Raiders. You got games against the Texans. You got games against Steelers that are essentially playoff games. I mean, they are all games that uh, are going to have heavy impact on, on this tight, tight race in the AFC. And you've got a game on Sunday in a place that, especially recently, has not been very friendly for you. Uh, and in a place that, for all the Titans' flaws, we'll get into them more of this later, they are undefeated at home this year so it is a big game coming up i think all five of those afc games remaining are huge because of the tiebreaker implications but if you don't come out of this it's not like the season's a failure because we go back through and and, and look at exercises at the beginning of the year and all those kinds of things but if you don't come out of this playoff berth it's i, I think it's absolutely safe to say it'll be disappointing without a doubt and again like you said it's just like you look at it's very manageable with how the Colts are playing. It does kind of fall into their favor here. And it's just about taking care of business. And two, like for this week as well, you get a break because not only are we highlighted the Colts controlling their own destiny and the fact that, again, we just talked about the teams they play coming up are all teams either just above them or just below them in the playoff race. You win those games. You win all the tiebreakers. You are sitting very pretty to get one of those seven playoff spots. But this week specifically, George, not only are you playing a four and seven team in the Titans, again, on the road and they're undefeated at home, but a four and seven Titans team that's in the middle of a rebuild, or I guess really maybe not even the middle of entering a rebuild right now at the rest of their season. You also have um, also in the one o'clock slate on Sunday, 
a big time game where it's not an elimination game, but one team right below you is going to get knocked down a peg because the Broncos and Texans are playing each other. Both teams are directly below the Colts. All three of those teams, though, are six and five. Colts six and five, Texans six and five, Broncos six and five. If you're the Colts and you win that game and you go to seven and five on the season, one of those two teams is going to lose. And now one team hot on your tail, whether it's a Texans and having a really surprising and good year, or the Broncos, who are maybe the hottest team in the NFL winning five in a row, one of those two teams are going to lose. And now the, all of a sudden you're going to be there separating space between the teams that are, or, or right now the teams below you that are chasing the Colts. And that's why this is a pivotal game here because no matter who wins in uh, Denver, Houston, you at least create some, a, a solid cushion going into the final five games of the season between you and at least one of the two teams that are hot on your tail. This is a, a big game here where, again, if you were the Colts, we talked about the magic number getting to 10, right? 10 wins um, and going into the bye, we said they have to go five and two down the stretch to get to 10 wins. Now you went on Sunday or last Sunday against the Buccaneers. Now it's like, okay, you start doing the math. You can, Now you got to go to the last six games, four and two. You win this game against a, a, a bad Tennessee team, George. We're talking about the final five weeks of the season. I guess the easiest schedule in the league, Needed to go just three and two. That's it. You could really do yourself massive favors here, George, by getting a win on Sunday in Tennessee. It feels like every year that's the case. Uh, no matter where this schedule falls or where this game falls on the schedule, easy for me to say, uh, it feels like it's always a big game with heavy implications, either in the division. It feels like every year they're either going in there with a the chance to take over the division lead or they're going in there with a chance to, to you know, it's bolden, their their playoff hopes in some significant way. Uh, it I don't know how the NFL manages that, but I guess kudos to them because it probably is the biggest rivalry right now for the Colts on, on the schedule. I know the Titans are down and the Colts have not been, you know, really a, a major factor in what three of the last four years. Uh, but it that there's a proximity issue. You know, the fact that the Nashville and India are not very far apart. Uh, and just the fact that it just feels like every one of these games lately has been hugely important, hugely <laughs> physical. And really from a Tennessee standpoint, we'll get into this more on Thursday, but because the AFC is so tightened up, if they win, they have a faint heartbeat. They're not going to be right back in the mix, but at five and seven, you know, you could start convincing yourself again. If you went out, you'll get to that magic 10 win number. And if you go four and one and you're nine and eight, it may be unlikely, but a win would give you hope, a loss, and they're all but eliminated. You're right. And so the Tennessee has something to play for, and you are 100% right too. A lot of big games are played specifically between the Colts Titans in Nashville. You know, 2018, obviously that the, the playoff berth on the line week 17, right? That was going to have to do with the quick math and make sure that that was still not – uh, that was still a 16-game schedule, which it was. So week 17 with Andrew Luck winning on the road in Nashville to get to the playoffs. 2020, that game on Thursday night was later in the year. That was a nice cementing win for Phillip Rivers and the Colts to help, again, kind of get their playoff push going. Last year, we really saw the season come to an end after week seven, and they lost that game to Tennessee, and that was really the um, where the, the first changes were made with Matt Ryan getting benched, which, by the way, George, I don't know if this is a good or bad sign, Matt Ryan's on the call on Sunday. He is. Him, Andrew Catalan, Tiki Barber on the call. Colts, Titans in Nashville. Matt Ryan going, I mean, I guess it's a house of horrors for him. Going back to the place where he got benched last year for this specific matchup back in week number seven. I don't know if that's a good or bad sign for the Colts. It's a really interesting sign. I I, I just, I, I'm kind of sad I'm going to be there now just because I'm very interested to see what he's going to say. You know, I don't often go back and watch the games after uh, after they, they're played, not on TV copy, at least. Um, but I might this time, just because that that could be very interesting. Uh, just the, what What's he going to have to say about, you know, first of all, he knows a good chunk of this roster still. I mean, the Colts did have a lot of turnover, but there are a lot of guys, obviously, who played with him last year. Uh, a lot of skill position guys in particular. Uh, maybe, maybe most of his comments will just be, you know, I wish they had that Downs kid when I was there. 
Or some pass blocking. How about that, too? That would have helped. That has changed a lot. That's probably the biggest difference. We talked about that at the midseason pod. You can go back, uh, find that wherever you get your pods, our midseason breakdown uh, where we were grading the team. And in the offensive line, and they showed it again on Sunday against Tampa Bay, probably the biggest improvement this year, their ability to, to open some holes against that run defense. And I still say, I said it then, I wrote about it yesterday. I still say Pittman's game had a lot to do with, with Taylor's game. When they got Michael Pittman going early and they made the Bucks play a little more honest defensively, it opened things up. Jonathan Taylor had a huge game. All that being said, John Wesley French did on Vitavea. That's that might be like the gold star of the season. You give gold stars for performances, that might be the gold star of the season so far. You're right about that. Again, we did not give Wesley French enough uh, credit there on Sunday in the postgame pod. You're 100% right. He made Vita Vea, for the most part, invisible. And that was a matchup that we were afraid of, that we thought was going to really uh, change the outcome of the game. And Jonathan Taylor, uh, 15 carries, 91 yards. Zach Moss did a, a great job as well in his limited role, carrying the rock. Colts ran the ball very effectively against one of the stoutest run defenses in the, in the league. And, George, that also now as we go into December here – that is also a major point to bring up because what was viewed as not that the entire thing was a positive, that's not what we're going to say. But now you look back in hindsight with Jonathan Taylor being put on pup, missing the first four games, easing his way back, now getting the contract extension and good spirits and motivated. You look back on, on really him missing the first, let's say five weeks because his time was limited in that first matchup against Tennessee, missing the first five weeks. This is now Georgia guy that Jonathan Taylor is not your normal running back going into week 13. He's got a lot of juice left in those legs. He absolutely does, and you saw it on Sunday. I mean, there were some real vintage Jonathan Taylor runs, breaking tackles, moving the pile, uh, but he had that burst. And a lot of times when you get into week 13, week 14, week 15, week 16, it's tough for running backs. I mean, there's a reason that that, that position – it burns out so quickly in the league. You know, they it is really hard to be a running back in the NFL. And I think he's in a really unique situation. And so is Zach Moss for that matter, because they are Moss played the first month, yeah. but they have been able to split carries. They haven't had to take the full load, either one of them. Uh, and I think both of them are probably fresher than they would be normally at this point in the year, uh, which is obviously I, I don't think it takes much you know, knowledge of football at all to, to know that's the key to this team going forward. If they can run the ball effectively, uh, that's the difference. The Colts wouldn't come out and say it, but that's the difference this week and in two games before the bye that they won as far as the offensive performance. The running game got going, and all of a sudden the offense plays at a better tempo. They're moving the chains. They're putting points on the board. That's no coincidence. If they can run the ball well these last – six games i keep wanting to say seven like a tampa game didn't happen if they can run the ball well these last six games then i think that's that's the most important element to me going down the stretch and we were just looking before we started recording at, at these defenses that they're going to face most of them are in the middle of the pack or lower as far as run defense goes there's a couple that, that stand out houston at the end of the year will be interesting but as, as unlikely as it may be, if you can win these next five, Houston game won't matter. You're right about that. You Boy, wow. Let's get nuts here, George. Let's go for the number one seed, damn it. Let's just go on a big-time tear here. All the way to the top. <laughs> and start playing for that number one seed in the AFC. But that's also, too, I think a, a major reason why you should feel confident right now going into this final six-game stretches. You have a run, your best offensive player now fresh and really hitting his stride where most other players are starting to hit a wall or wear down physically because it is such a grueling position. Jonathan Taylor missing the first month and a half of the season is now beneficial for the Colts more than uh, more than uh, you would think. And in, in during the early part of the season, when we're sitting there stressing out about the contract and the injury and them feuding, now looking back, that is a benefit for this team now going into the home stretch as we enter December. You look at, like you just mentioned before, teams that are, for the most part, weaker against the run. 
on uh, for a good amount of teams are going to face. So that should be an area you can exploit and have balance to an offense. And I think that was one of the biggest reasons why Gardner Minshew, despite some turbulent times, especially in the second quarter there, never truly kind of fell fell off and really hurt this team was because when the Colts need to uh, lean on the run game, they were able to do so. And that took pressure off of Gardner Minshew. And then he was able to pick his spots, make some big time throws and not have, you know, not feel like the weight of the offense was on his shoulders. And so we have seen now when the Colts need to run the ball, they can do so. And like I said, not just John and the Taylor, but Zach Moss as well, with how these two have bounced off each other and shared the load. You have two fresh running backs going into December and going against weaker rush defenses. That is on should on paper, at least George, give your offense so uh, such a big advantage now going into each of these games that you should, again, we should see a lot more of what we saw on Sunday against the Buccaneers. Absolutely. I think together they had something like 25, 26 carries for 146 yards. It wasn't, neither one of them had a, a massive day alone. And Taylor ended up with 15, 91. And then uh, it was 10 or 11 for 55 for, for Moss. But you put them together, that's a heck of a day for a running back. And I think that's that's when you're going forward. That That's what you want to see. Both of them, they have a little bit different style. Uh, obviously, Moss is, is more the hammer in, in this regard. Not that Taylor can't do that, but he's more the speed guy. Uh, and I think it's it just keeps defenses honest a little bit. And it, it's one of the, the many things that you really sit there and think, man, if they bring these two back, and they play next year with Anthony Richardson. I mean, you always try to imagine what they're doing and putting Anthony Richardson into this offense, that run game. With the two of them and Anthony Richardson could could really be something to watch, but as it pertains to these next six highly important games this season, I think what you just said is is dead on. It allows Gardner Minshew to do more of what he does best. You're not putting the game on his shoulders. You're able to to give him quicker throws, faster reads. I'm sure he's seeing better passing windows when the run games working like this, that I think is the biggest thing moving forward. We, that stretch there in the second quarter, I think it was the second quarter, where he threw the interception and then Alec Pierce made a terrific breakup of, of another interception. You started to wonder, like, is this going to go the wrong way? Is this going to become, you know, the Saints or the Browns game all over again? They're going to turn the ball over multiple times and they're going to cost themselves a win. And I do think the run game – being able to, to be as effective as it was, was a big reason that didn't happen. And I think you're going to see that going forward. Uh, as far as Pierce goes, it was interesting yesterday, Shane Steichen said that Jim Bob Cooter kind of picks out one area every week that, that something that's happened around the league that's maybe an unusual situation, and the offense works on it. And last week it just happened to be, you know, defending interceptions, like trying to make sure that, that your guy doesn't, make the catch uh pierce obviously gets an a plus for for that class and unfortunately that should be one where the colts practice it every week not just like once a month or once a season that should be a friday staple or a saturday staple here all right guys let's let's get into it let's practice some pbus here because yeah gardner is usually good for one or two passes a game that you're like and thankfully in pierce's case that pass breakup really could have saved the game um and like I said, one small play, but a huge, huge impact on the outcome of the game. Just to quickly go back one last thing about the run game, George. Two things. Number one, look at the stats. Jonathan Taylor, six yards a carry. Let's just round up a tenth of a yard. Zach Moss, seven yards a carry. So both did not get a ton of carries, 23 combined. But when they were asked to run the ball, they ran it effectively, which is huge because, again, I think you want a little bit more balance. He had 41 pass attempts for Gardner Minshew, 27 rush attempts as a team total, I think you want to come closer to that balance. But I think also part of it was the Buccaneers have one of the worst pass defenses. So you're going to try to pick on that. I think that was a little bit more matchup specific as to why the skew was heavy pass um, and less run. I think we'll see more of a 50, 50 split here against Tennessee and other teams going forward here, but also too, George, I think important was when the Colts had to run the ball, they did like we've seen this team, right? Be unable at different points in different years, be unable to put teams away. And we saw, especially on Sunday, after you get the strip sack of Baker Mayfield, Buccaneers still had three timeouts. So it wasn't like a situation where it's like, oh boy, like the game's over. We take a few knees, we're done. Colts had to still win the game 
Jonathan Taylor, what they do, run the ball, get the first down, game over. Like they were able to not only run the ball effectively in limited sample size, but also too, when they needed to run the ball and you knew, everyone knew, hey, this team was going to run it. Buccaneers have a good run defense. They ran the ball, figured it out, got a first down and iced the game away. That is huge. We're talking about, you know, going down the stretch here in December. It's not only about like, oh, you have winnable games here, but we've seen the NFL, George, plenty of times. How do you win games and how more importantly, do you not lose games? And we've seen a lot of teams lose games. And one of the ways you don't lose games, as simple as it sounds, is by taking care of business and not giving the other the opponent extra opportunities. And that part of that is when you have the ball, four minutes left, how do you, you know, can you run the ball 10 times in a row to ice the clock? Yeah, I feel confident the Colts going forward here with two fresh running backs and a really good offensive line should be able to do that in a lot of these matchups here remaining in the season. You know what? That last one, you're talking about running those the ball there at the end. That last one almost left the house. I mean, Taylor went down, which is the right thing to do, and just, just end the game there. But they might have been able to score on that one if, if that was the goal. You know how most people say, or a lot of people say, like one of the most exciting plays in football is like a kickoff return for a touchdown. Like when you see the hole and they just hit it, and then all of a sudden there's just running free. I would argue one of the most exciting plays in football, George, is Quentin Nelson out on the edge running as a lead blocker when you just say, oh boy, who, and you just watch the defenders peel away, dive down, duck out of the way. Seeing Quentin Nelson running downhill on a lead block in open field, I would say it's one of the most exciting plays in football. That was a tremendous sight to see. I've said it before. I think he's the only offensive lineman in the league with his own highlight reel. And that's part of why, I mean, you see these plays and and it's absolutely, I don't think it's very exciting if you're in, you know, on that train track, if you're in the way, it's probably not as exciting, but watching it. Yeah. There's no doubt. And I think since he got drafted here, that's, those are probably the biggest plays when you see him get around the edge and get that head of steam and there's a running back behind him. And it's usually Jonathan Taylor. uh, That's, it's a very, very scary side. I think it's probably one of the most exciting sites you can see uh, with this this offense. And again, next year, what if that's Anthony Richardson running behind him a couple of times? It's going to be – there's so much reason for optimism. I think this is one thing we're talking about. That's why I say even if they don't make the playoffs, it'll be disappointing, but it won't be like the season was a failure. What Shane Sykin has done this year, the fact that Gus Bradley, since the New Orleans game, has made some really important adjustments on defense, and they've got guys coming back. That's the other thing about when you look at this stretch, Tennessee, they're definitely not going to have Grover Stewart. We'll see about uh, Juju Brantz. I'll I'll go ahead and give you the, the spoiler of, of Shane Sykin's answer when we ask him on Wednesday. We'll see. But then moving forward in the Cincinnati and beyond, you get those two back on a defense that's playing a lot better than it was you know, during that three-game losing streak, there's a lot of reasons for hope, not just now, but for 2024. You're 100% right about that. Right. It's The Colts are in, for this specific season, the best-case scenario because if they make the playoffs, it's awesome. What a great year. No one saw this coming. If they miss the playoffs, right, it's not a failure. It's not the world is ending because no one even thought that we're talking about, George, meaningful football games here going into December. Um, but Shane Second, I think in part, you know, um, has done a tremendous job with a backup quarterback for 95% of the season. And that's why I think George right now, like still a long way to go, six weeks, right? Left in the season. But right now, at least as we head into December, I think Shane Sykin is your front runner for coach of the year. Like you look around the league, there has been no coach that has done more with a roster that Sykin has than Shane himself. I mean, with Josh McDaniels fired, I would agree with you. I mean, when he's out there, he's out there. <laughs> I don't know. No, nah, but I, I'm, I mean, when you think about it, the, the two top contenders are probably in this division. Yes. In all honesty. Uh, and the reason I would give Steichens the nod over Ryan's is I'm a homer. No, it's, it's <laughs> because the quarterback situation. Yeah. CJ Stroud's a rookie, but he's also playing, you know, arguably the best quarterback right now in the league at, at the level that he's been at. He's, he's in that conversation. And Ryan's has had him week in and week out. And D'Amico's done a great job with that defense, which we expected. I mean, like everybody knew that was going to go coming in. Uh, and he deserves a ton of credit. And I think he's right there. I think they're 1-1A. One one but you've got to break that tie somehow between them. And for me right now, that tiebreaker is D'Amico Ryan's is doing it with C.J. Shroud. 
and Shane Sykin is doing it with, with Gardner Minshew. You're right. And this will this is subject to change, right? Based on what happens in week 18. And I don't think you're gonna give the award based on one game, but Sykin is one to know against Ryan's. And like you said, too, doing it. And right now the Colts are in a playoff spot. The Texans are not, although same record. And then again, they're right there. Colts seventh spot, Texans eighth spot. But it's it is like you, I'm with you. Like it's one of those where Sykin, it's close. Sykin and D'Amico Ryan's, I think, are one, two right now in coach of the year, uh, in that coach of the year race. But Shane Sykin, for what he's doing with a backup quarterback for all but one game isn't is insane. Is insane on top of again. The Texans were a mess as well. So it's not like, you know, he came to a stable organization. But even since Shane Sykin's been there with the entire Jonathan Taylor saga, that was kind of a dark cloud hanging over the franchise all offseason. That's another thing, too, that you have to, you know, wade through, have to figure out. He's done a tremendous job. And so Stroud, like Ryan's absolutely should get credit for the hiring of Bobby Slowick as offense coordinator and having him along with Stroud develop into where they are. I mean, Stroud is right. He's one of the three best quarterbacks, right? Probably um, this season so far. Um, but with that said, I think Shane doing more with less is the reason why he should be the front runner for coach of the year. And again, I think we even saw it on Sunday, George. He's been creative all season long. He's put Gardner Minshew in positions to succeed. And even when then Gardner Minshew's tail spinning has figured ways to get him out of that. He's been very creative. He's been aggressive. Like he's done everything possible to put this team right now in a six and five spot. And I don't think maybe outside of one game, a little bit with clock management, you know, uh, and play calling decisions, let's say against the Browns late before the half. Like there are certain spots you could absolutely get on Shane second for abandoning the run, giving Jonathan Taylor, I think it was the Browns game or maybe the Saints game that they kind of blend together. Um, one carry in the second half, I think it was the Browns game. Like there were definitely spots where you could say, oh, he's been bad or he blew this. But for the most part, George, we're talking about, I mean, out of 190% positive from Shane Sykin so far in year number one as a rookie head coach, by the way, very impressive. Yeah, I mean, I think where they're at right now feels like, and you said it just a little bit ago, best case scenario for this team, where they're at right now with everything they've been through, uh, it's hard to imagine them being much better. And let's not forget, they should be 7-4. and four. Uh, you know, there, there is some controversy uh, on one of these five losses. So it's it's a really good run. They've done, they've overcome so much. And you go back, you, you mentioned the Jonathan Taylor thing and how that was a cloud on really the entire training camp, which is kind of an important part of the year, by the way, when you're out there in training camp. Uh, lost your rookie quarterback in week five, week six. It was really early. Uh, your best, one of your best defensive players, one of your your top defensive linemen is out for six games. So one game left on, on that. And yeah, the secondary has been hit really hard by injuries and suspensions. Uh, you know, they've had constantly guys, whether it's Dallas Flowers, whether it's all the way back to Isaiah. Uh, Rogers, uh, Rogers, like it's, it's, you know, all the things that happened. Juju Brent's being in and out. Even this week, even this week alone, Shaq Leonard gets cut on Tuesday and I, I talked about on the postgame pod, the, the locker room was pretty somber. You know, even in our Wednesday, you could feel the sense of loss in there. And even, even on Sunday night after the game, Zaire Franklin was saying it didn't feel right. You know, obviously he was happy. They were all very excited and they were going nuts. But he felt his friend not being there. You know, a guy that, that's been beside him his, his entire career. And they overcome that. I mean, those are the kind of things that doesn't happen everywhere in the NFL. It hasn't happened here in the past. I mean, how many times have we done just in, in our short time together, a post game pod where it's like, well, you know, that this was hanging over them, whatever. And they couldn't overcome it. And that not very often at all this year where we've said, well, Shane just couldn't figure that out. And even last week too, George, you have Jim Mercer's interview with real sports. And oh, then he's yeah. tweeting <laughs> up a firestorm. Like, so that's like, we're talking about legitimately 10, 10 different instances, right? Uh, of where he as a head coach had to face adversity, whether it had to do with players, had to do with an owner, had to do with injuries, had to do with who's there, who's not there, a gambling suspension that in terms of the, what he was accused of, of betting on games, he was, you know, betting on the Colts. We've never seen a player suspended while he was on the field or, 
or I should say in trouble for betting on games when he was playing in the game for. So it's like, you look at that adversity Shane Sykes had to face and overcome. Not that D'Amico Ryans hasn't faced adversity in Houston. I mean, that offensive line, we talked about it when they played back in week number two, they've been ravaged by injuries on the offensive line, but really outside of that, George, there's been not a ton of adversity D'Amico Ryans has had to face so far in year number one, which look good for him. I, I don't think you're signing up and volunteering to have all these distractions <laughs> thrown at you almost weekly, it feels like. But also, you, I mean, look, it's maybe not a big time distraction, but you also go to Germany and you play a game in a different environment, have kind of things, you know, be all out of whack as well. He's, I would say, 10 different circumstances that have been thrown in the face of Shane Second since he's taken over as head coach um, that he has had to navigate through. And I would say for the most part, maneuvered through them as good as you can. So that also just highlights again and adds to the surprise of the Colts being here at six and five and holding a playoff spot going to December. When you just forget about the roster talent and not having your quarterback, all the other distractions that we have seen take down teams and lead to bad losses like they have through 11 games, George, they have never one time this season looked distracted, looked disinterested, looked like they didn't care, looked like they were unfocused or undisciplined. No matter what has happened, their focus each and every week has been on the field. And that's, again, a massive credit to coaching uh, directly for Shane Steichen of sending a message and not allowing outside influences to impact this team's readiness when it comes to playing games on Sunday. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I think it was Taekwon Lewis yesterday on the conference call with the media who said, is this is a guy who can lead you to the promised land? I mean, that's the way the, these players look at him. And I think that's the reason he's been able to overcome all these things is that that locker room almost from day one bought in completely. And I think that's that's a testament to, to his leadership ability. Uh, but they have they completely think this is the right guy at the right time and they play like it. You see it on the field. Uh, again, they should be seven and four, even at six and five, it's above where they, they've exceeded both of our win total from, from the preseason already. Oh yeah. They're already past that. Uh, and theoretically they're not done. If they are, then the coach of the year talk is out the window. If, if they're going to stop at six wins, but I, I don't think that's going to happen, but I think the most important thing for this team Every week, win or lose, you've seen that fight. Even they were down 30 to 6 in Jacksonville, they were still fighting. They were still trying to make plays. Not once this year have I seen this team quit on the coach, quit on each other. That's a testament to because it was a locker room that was, you know, a little bit in chaos when Shane Sykin got here. And we talked about the circus yeah. was a town. You know, it was a real bad situation in the end of last year. Anyone who watched Colts last year doesn't need to rehash that. They understand. Uh, but none of that has been evident from week one, really, with, with Shane Sykin in charge. And even, too, like, you look at, like, keeping these guys engaged and focused. Like, you go back, that big win over Tennessee, right? You go to three and two. You finally beat the Titans for the first time in five games. And But also that game, Richardson hurts his shoulder. We find out later he's out for the year. And then you look at, like I said, you get, then you follow that up with getting shellacked in Jacksonville. Your defense gets toasted two weeks in a row against the Browns and the Saints, both offenses struggling coming into that game. You're there at three and five on a three game losing streak without your starting quarterback in for the rest of the season. It's easy to quit, George. It's easy for these players to say, you know what? Which, by the way, a lot of them, like you mentioned, are there from last year. So a lot of them have the scars from last year, know what it's like to be in a free fall. Easy for them to pack up and say, you know what? Okay, we got a guy we like in Shane Sykin. We got a rookie quarterback, but he's not in here. Eh, Gardner Minshew's there, but, you know, we had a nice first half of the year. But, all right, three and five, three-game losing streak. It was a good year. Let's just kind of get ready here and, and have one eye on 2024. They have rallied and, again, have found different ways to win in Carolina against the Patriots, now against the Bucs. And like you said, he really has revived this ship when it easily at three and five on a three-game losing streak easily could have sunk. That's what I was writing about at that time. I mean, I think back to, you know, that three and five stretch and, and writing about they've got to avoid this becoming a replay of last season where you just couldn't pull out of the tailspin and it just got worse every week until you finally finished four, 12 and one. And, and then there was at, at the time that the season ended, the only real bright spot was that they had the number four overall pick. That was it. Every other 
thing going on with this franchise was, you know, in a real place of darkness because you felt like there's not a quarterback that you can count on. You don't have any future there. Uh, you didn't have any idea who the head coach was going to be. There was no path forward there. And they were coming off one of probably the most disastrous seasons definitely I've been a part of, uh, but that it, that I can remember in the end of it, in terms of having a team that legitimately came into the year thinking they could make a deep run in the playoffs and then going 4-12-1 and, and, you know, all the insanity that happened. The November 7th press conference alone, it, it was just – and you think about where that team was at that point. You know, we can do this a lot down the stretch. You know, a year ago today, where they were at. And, and the difference now, I think they were getting ready for the Dallas game last year at this oh. point. Uh, and you know how that went. But you think about the, the difference between the feeling going into that one and the feeling now of, hey, this could be a playoff team. And there's 40% chance. This is one thing I wanted to ask you. I forgot we got on to other topics. So they got a 40% chance to make the playoffs. How does that rate to the – is it the highest of the, of the teams in, in contention right now for that seventh seed? That's a good question. I do not know. Let me see if I can find that very fast here. That's a great question I should have had prepared, um, and I do not. So let me see here if I can um, – I'm going to try to stall here for a little bit. Um, <laughs> but um, that – I mean, looking at it right now, and you do the quick math, with the Texans at six and five, the Broncos at six and five alone, Bill, people are still believing in the Bills as well. Like I'm assuming that out of 40%, the Colts are the highest because of the easiest schedule um, remaining because they play teams again that are right below, above them, right below them um, as well. I mean, you also get like, they also, I, I know they're not been a good home team. I get that. So it's not like it's a big advantage, but the Steelers are at home. The Texans game in week 18 is at home. So a lot of these big games, too, you have coming up here are in Lucas Oil Stadium, a place that you haven't played well, but at least you're on a one-game winning streak. It's small, but hey, look, everything counts here, George. You got to start somewhere. Um, you are, again, like at least have you have that advantage where that should be now in their favor uh, going over, uh, going into now these final, these final six weeks. Yeah, no, and that's... The thing of it is, the home road split is the home road split is split right now. You've got three road games, three home games remaining. But after these next two weeks, you're playing three or final four at home, which I think is a big advantage, especially with with fresh legs. Now they've got to prove that they can win at home, and we've seen that be a problem. But hey, you win those last three, you're gonna have a winning home record this year, and that would be a big accomplishment for this football team. Okay, so we have some numbers here. Uh, according to ESPN, this is their analytics. So um, they right now have the Colts with a 44% chance to make the playoffs. That is actually the eighth highest odds just to make the playoffs. Teams with higher odds to make the playoffs, according to ESPN analytics. Chiefs, obviously. Ravens, Dolphins, Jaguars. Those four teams right now are your division leaders. And then for the wild card, just to make the playoffs, Steelers, 74% chance to make the playoffs. Browns, 68% chance to make the playoffs. Texans, 53% chance to make the playoffs. Colts at 44, Broncos at 29%. So right now, ESPN, according to their math, has the Texans as a more likely team to make the playoffs compared to the Colts. So that's where that that's what I was wondering. Like, where does that run? You know, where does that fit in? And and it makes sense. The Texans have a pretty easy schedule left too. I mean, they've got Tennessee twice coming up, uh, which is you know pretty good for them. Uh, and they've got the Colts, which it's on the road, but you know they they they've got a pretty unencumbered schedule, with the exception of that big one coming up on this week against Denver, which I think is really interesting as you're pointing out because one of them's going to lose. Uh, but I also think it puts some pressure on the Colts to win because they know going into this game in Tennessee, if you lose on Sunday, you will lose that seven spot because either Houston or Denver will pass you. 
This is, now I'll be honest, I didn't go to school for math here. And I don't think many people in media did go to school for math. So help me out no. here, George. Hopefully you're better at math well, we than I am. Sports writing, right? And, That's and sports broadcasting. So we don't have to do math. That is right. Or so we thought. But here we are right. crunching numbers here. So the percentages I just gave you were just a flat out make the playoffs. Just you're one of the seven teams. Now they also have percentages, ESPN does here, George, of what seed you're most likely to get. And so if you look at, right, the Colts are not winning the division. So that's the first four seeds, let's just push away um, here. Five, six, and seven in the AFC. They have right now, as the Browns, the most likely to get the five seed at 25%. And the Steelers have the highest percent chance to get both the six and seven seed. Now, what's interesting is they have the Texans with a 17% chance to get the five seed, higher than the Colts. A 16% chance for Houston to get the six seed, higher than the Colts. They have the Colts, though, with a 16% chance to get the seven seed, which is higher than the Texans. Now, again, I don't know how that math, I guess if you add the percentages up, that's how you get the Texans more likely to make the playoffs than the Colts. But at least right now, they are saying ESPN is the Colts are more likely to get the seven seed at 60% versus 50% chance for tex- the Texans here. I, I hope I'm confusing myself and I'm probably confusing the audience as well. So maybe we should have just left these numbers off to the side. And so here's how here the easy way to boil it down here, George, take care of business. All right. Beat the Texans at home week 18 and you got nothing. The math is going to math itself. The, the math is going to work in your favor. You take care of business. You beat a four and seven Tennessee team, which you should on the road here coming up on Sunday. You beat the Steelers at home, which you should in a few weeks from now. You beat the Bengals on the road with Jake Browning at quarterback, which you should. And then you go home and beat the Texans week 18. Nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. Forget the math. It's going to work in your favor if you win those games, George. Let's go. To me, the most important math right now is four more wins. I think we're all in agreement that if you get to 10, you're in. So win four more games. Doesn't win. matter where they come, win four more games, and, and you get in there. What I want to know about that math is, does Pittsburgh have to play twice? Like, if they're both the 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 six and the seven seed, how does that work for them? Do they have to play like you know one game and then come back and, and play the other? Kenny Pickett versus Mitch Trubisky. It's going to be a, a black and gold scrimmage there at Heinz Field. Oh, I guess Ackershore Stadium now. Excuse me, get the sponsorship right. Um, yeah, that would be fun. That would be a hot take here, George. That would be a playoff first. That would be pretty exciting. The goal of the AFC Championship game is the Steelers against the Steelers. Now, you want to talk about big math here. The Colts have an 11% chance to get the five seed. Ooh. A five seed. Think about the AFC right now, too. Who knows how this is going to shake out? Because Cleveland and Pittsburgh right now are, as those numbers show, the the front runners, you know, for the five seed, and and they're – the two teams um, ahead of the Colts right now in, in the playoff picture where you're, you know, where the seeds are at, but neither one of them is in a real comfortable spot. I mean, you've got Pittsburgh offense scored 16 points and it was cause for celebration, which I think tells you a lot right there. Uh, and Cleveland, who knows who their quarterback is going to be from week to week right now. I mean, that that's a real mess right now for them. I'm not saying both teams have overcome that, obviously, for the most part of the year. They're seven and four. They've had these problems for, for the majority of the season. They deserve a lot of credit. I think you could put Kevin Stefanski in the coach of the year talk, honestly, given everything that the, that the Browns have been through as well. Uh, but I don't, it's not like in years past where you feel like, oh, there's a team out there that's just severely underperformed. Like if Cincinnati still had Joe Burrow, they would be in this general five to seven range still, but you would feel like that's not a, a five, six, seven seed. That's a team that could possibly win the AFC. Buffalo should be that team, but their schedule is so difficult. And you see like losing that game in Philadelphia was killer for them because now they go to Kansas city. You just got a week after week after week with them. I just don't think that team's out there. In years past, there's always been that that like underperforming team that you feel like, okay, they're in. I think if you look at all those teams right now from five to maybe nine or ten, you could legitimately see any one of them making the playoffs. You're 100% right. And that's why, too, like you you got it. And that's why I think going back to it, George, like if the Colts are on the outside looking into the peanut of the peanut of the peanut of the peanut of the – sorry, got excited there. 
and not out. But what I was going to say is like, that's why I think going back to how we started this podcast, like I think it's still a disappointment if the Colts don't make the playoffs, because like I said, the team's right above them in Pittsburgh and Cleveland right now, holders of the five and six spot currently, like you said, you lost to Cleveland, you lost that tiebreaker. We could have Joe Flacco starting for the Browns the rest of the season or some combination of Dorian Thompson Robinson and PJ Walker. And that's one where you're going to have three quarterbacks potentially playing for Cleveland, even with their elite defense and elite run game. It's not a lock or it's something you feel comfortable with. If you're Cleveland, oh, this is a guarantee to make the playoffs. And like I said before, you would have thought with how people reacted to the Steelers beating the Bengals, that the Steelers put up 70 points against Cincinnati and their offense, all they did was go up and down the field, score touchdowns. They got over 400 yards of total offense for the first time in three years. Congratulations. I think it's like 59 games exactly, which is unbelievably bad. They scored 16 points. So for all that offense, all them moving up and down the field, they scored one offensive touchdown. So again, new offense, no Matt Canada, but you still are kicking field goals most of the game. So if you're the Colts, again, as long as you don't give them opportunities, which that's the only reason why they're seven and four is because teams constantly turn the ball over, especially deep in their own end. How many, how many Steeler interceptions I've seen in the end zone or in the red zone is mind boggling. Jake Brown was driving down the field to start the opening possession of the third quarter back when these uh, Bengals, I think we're still winning seven, three at that point throws an interception at like the 15 yard line as if, which again, I know it's a tough task or a tough ask here because Minshew has, we've seen him been pr- uh, prone to turnovers here at inopportune times. If you don't, turn the ball over against the Steelers. That offense, especially with how well, by the way, the Colts defense has turned around the last few weeks. That offense doesn't scare you. It does not scare you whatsoever. And so the math right now, let's say, does not favor the Colts. The schedule does. And how they are playing absolutely does, George. Come on. And I feel like you could honestly take those five teams from like five to ten and put them in a bag and draw out names and and have as good a chance of predicting the finishes as anything. It's it's going to be a really chaotic final six weeks here, which I think is a lot of fun. I mean, I think it's, that's what the NFL wants. Um, the divisions don't feel as up for grabs, especially with Houston losing to, to Jacksonville on Sunday. Uh, I think those are those four division champs are all in pretty good. They're all sitting pretty right now. Maybe Baltimore has a little bit of, of pressure on them, but again, with the problems that Cleveland and Pittsburgh have had, it, it's hard to really feel that right now. Mathematically, that one's still really, really close, and we'll see. It could turn that way. Uh, Tomlin probably deserves to be in the in the Coach of the Year conversation as well, as far as that goes. Uh, but those five teams beneath it, it just you feel like any one of them. Cleveland, Pittsburgh are seven and four right now. It wouldn't shock you if if they finish. 13 and four, and it wouldn't shock you if they finish, you know, seven and 10. Like it, it doesn't, none of that would be shocking. All, every team you could do that with. Denver could be 12 and five. Denver could be six and 11. And it's the same. It's just, I can't remember a year like this. And I think that's why the Colts are in, in good shape because as you're trying to navigate this crazy, crazy finish, you've got, a lot of teams with losing records. Even the division champ left that you play Atlanta has a losing record. Uh, you've got lots of teams that, as, as we mentioned throughout the pod, have key tiebreaker situations with you. Teams right above you, teams right below you. And uh, you've got lots of home games. I think those are, are all things, when, when it's unpredictable out there and you have no idea how things are going to turn out, those all feel like really big advantages for Indianapolis. Absolutely. And that's why, again, I think to put a bow in this podcast to, to kind of finish where we started, it's like that's it's right there for the Colts for the taking. So far, again, this stretch we have seen in November and Shane Sykin pointed out in his postgame press conference or I think in the locker room, I should say, I think he's right about this three and in November. And so like that's like that's a mark of a good team now where I really do think, George, when the calendar flips past Thanksgiving, this is really where, like, you see the contenders and pretenders separate. It's all bunch. It's all muddled right now. But the teams that really hit their stride and play their best football are the ones that pull away and make a plus spot. I know it's an obvious statement, but you got to feel pretty good that the Colts are right now trending towards playing their best football. We've seen them in years past go down, right, kind of struggle, limp to the finish, um, and not finish the job. 
there's absolutely reason right now to feel confident with the playoff picture muddled from five to let's say, like, like you said, 11, it's all one big jumbled mess. One big puzzle What three teams are going to come out of it. Maybe you should do that for Thursday. Maybe we'll put like six teams in a hat here and do some blue horseshoe unpre- uh, unofficial predictions here. See who's making the playoffs. Cause I think you're right. I bet you if we put six names in a hat, pull out three, bet you those three names uh, or those three teams are going to be hit just with how unpredictable it's been. Um, but it does like that's, this is again, if you are right now, the Colts, you got to feel good about where this team is trending towards going forward here, where they feel like, even not peaking, but they are playing better football and really hitting their stride and rounding into form versus feel like the, the gas is running on empty and they're just kind of limping to the finish. And this is why, you know, we weren't positive uh, after those two wins right before the bye, but we kept saying, hey, survive in advance. You know, they're ugly wins, but the ugly wins are better than than ugly losses. Uh, and, and it's why those games were so important. Yeah, they were not well-played games and they were not, you're not getting any aesthetic points for them. But it puts them in this position. They were able to go through the bye week, get a little bit healthier. We were talking about that being a key. That happened. They obviously look fresh on on Sunday. Uh, There's still a couple more guys that could get back, as we mentioned. And and I think the great thing is the rest of the year, you don't care about style points. If they beat Tennessee three to nothing, that's fine. It does not matter the rest of the way. Just win, baby. The old Al Davis motto, just win, baby. It ain't college football. There's no committee there judging how you win. Just win. Let's go, George. Come on. I'm fired up for Thursday's pod. Oh, let me tell you. Titans week. Big chance here to take a stranglehold of that, at least bare minimum, seventh playoff spot here as well. And really kind of keep the train moving in the right direction. So, again, this is the time. If you haven't already, subscribe. Because let me tell you, there's some meaningful games here to be played. And a lot of analysis to be given between now and week 18 subscribe on YouTube blue horseshoe podcast subscribe wherever you do get your podcasts under that same name blue horseshoe podcast bright blue logo that is our feed where each of our pods are uploaded each and every or twice a week during the week each and every Tuesday each and every Thursday so check it out Thursday is going to be a fun one we get you set for Colts Titans you mentioned before George Titans undefeated at home you look at the numbers They are a way different home team than they are road team. So it's going to be tough. You know, Titans fans, they love being the Colts. They're going to try to play spoiler here. And like you said, get themselves back into that playoff discussion. If they can get a win and go to five and seven, it's going to be a big one. It's going to be a spirited one. Matt Ryan is back in the house. uh, The house of horrors, I guess, for him were the last game that, well, I mean, I know he restarted again later in the year, but really that's where the season went south. Uh, last season, so he is now opening that wound again. So it's going to be a, a a good a good game. That is for sure. It's going to be a very interesting one. So we will be back on Thursday. Get your set everything you need to know for Colts Titans. You can find it one spot right here. Blue Horseshoe Pod. Have a great week. We'll talk to you on Thursday on the Blue Horseshoe Podcast.